We greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus this afternoon or this morning again. And I am so blessed. I just am so honored just to have Brother Kurt speaking and ministering uh, prior and just giving me encouragement. It just really blessed my heart this morning because I just feel like a desperate need of Jehovah Jireh this morning to provide. I was just... I, I'm, I'm opposite of Kurt. I'm not an early morning riser by nature. But I just had a terrible headache last night and I was going to bed with a terrible headache and I just tried to do some study and arrangement. It just like it was nothing. I just couldn't get anywhere. So I set my alarm for significantly earlier this morning than I typically do. And, and I woke up 45 minutes before that even. And still had a headache this morning, and and uh, but I just I was just blessed as I um, the Lord got me up, and but the point I wanted to make was I was in the shower this morning and just starting to meditate, and the Lord was starting to work, and I don't know if ever in recent years I felt any greater degree of humility before God in thinking about what He wants to be presented today. It's just like it is so holy. And it is so awesome that I just felt like my mouth is not even worthy to speak it. Today's talk will be in two parts. The first part is called Lucifer's Last Stand. the Lord. Father, if this cup passed not from me, if it's impossible that this cup pass from me except I drink it, thy will be done. States of confusion. Jerusalem, total uproar. Holy men weren't being holy. True men weren't being true. Governing men were confused. Just like anarchy. What will you have me to do with Him who you call Jesus the Christ? And the shout came out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Nails, hammer, cross, this was the Son 
of God who came down into that cesspit of sin because He loved. And now, they're killing Him! Hanging there between heaven and earth. Pain and agony and hurt and blood. Thou be the Son of God. Save thyself. <laughs> Saved others. He can't even save himself. Darkness. Darkness. I said, darkness. Right in the brightest time of the day. Black. I heard Brother share one time with me. He says, I think it was just like the darkness and the that the Egyptians went through. He said, I think it was so thick you couldn't even see anything. I think it's the same kind. My God! My God! Why hast Thou forsaken me? Like sheep. Remember that yesterday? I don't care which circle you was in. All we like sheep have went astray. And the Lord laid on him. The iniquity of everyone. Peter says. He bore, I want you to notice this, our sins in His own body on the tree. You can spiritualize that however you choose to do it. I choose to take it just like it says. was bearing the sin of the whole world. And I'll own up, he was taking mine also.
finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. of sin is death (coughs) hopelessness set in Centurion, he was just a day late. Surely, this man was the Son of God. Yes. He was the Son of God. But he's dead. I don't know if you've ever tried to put yourselves in the shoes of the Twelve apostles. Eleven. One of them was hanging out there. Or maybe he'd already fell down and his bowels had already gushed out. I don't know. I want to tell you it was hopeless. You got to be kidding. How could he raise Lazarus from the dead and not keep himself from dying? I just pondered, I wonder what even Lazarus thought. Did you ever think about that? God, I don't understand. Utter despair. Fear sets in. I mean fear. It's like all the hope you ever had of all the promise you ever hoped for is gone. We might as well just head to Emmaus and just get out of here. Well, I'd just like to go to the temple. That's always a place where you can go meet. No, you can't go there. There's so much confusion there. Why the temple veil is busted open and there wasn't anything in there. It's just chaos. Dead. Little anointing, little wrapping. Put him in the tomb. Roll the stone over. He's gone. At least Sunday morning we'll go back and take care of him. At least some kind-hearted women would. Centurions there guarding the tomb. It had already been sealed with Pilate's seal. Is there any hope? Is Lucifer king? I want to tell you, this is Lucifer's best 
day. If he ever had a day where he would be like the Most High, it was this day. Because the very essence of his being had just put the Son of God in the tomb. I can just hear the demons cackling and laughing. <laughs> Imposter. Obviously, he was a fake. A lot of questions we can't answer. But dead? eyes approached the tomb earthquake what was that early morning earthquake make their way to the tomb. An angel shining bright sitting on the stone that was rolled away. What would you do with him? Where is he? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is risen indeed. He is not here. Hallelujah! Thank you. The next part of our message, we have called it All Things Under His Feet. This part of the message is about, or this session is about the authority of Christ. Concerning spiritual warfare. And I tell you, this is the day I've been looking forward to. I'm just telling you. This has not been a pretty journey. And I am so sick and tired of drawing pentagrams on this board, and Evelyn is too, that I'm sick of it. And this is the last day I'm going to. Because it is shattered. Lucifer has had his day. And it was his last stand. No longer is he the authority. No, some of that needs qualified. But we will. We just want to talk about the resurrection a little bit today and what it means and what it, how it pertains to this whole cosmic warfare that's been going on that we've been talking about that started out in war in heaven against Michael and his heart and his Angels against Lucifer and his angels. And how it all came down to earth. And, and how um, it started uh, 
that, that sin nature started just going through the human family like a, like a scourge. It just seemed so hopeless. In fact, the Bible there says that death just reigned. I just marveled at that from, from Adam to Moses that talked about that. And that's just the picture I get. It's just death reigning and death reigning. But, as you students have memorized there in Hebrews 11, that there was hope that someday, in my own words, something would happen to take care of my sins. They died in faith. Jesus arose from the dead. We want to turn to Acts 2.24. Again, we're going to go to several Scriptures. We won't turn to all of them today. Acts 2, we'll start reading at verse 23 of Acts 2. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands you have crucified and slain. But I want you to take special notice to verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that He should be holden of it. Or else God would not be God. That's the way it is. That's why we call it Lucifer's last stand. God raised him up from the dead, having loosed the pains of death. Who can tell me what the pains of death is? Sin. First Corinthians 15. The sting the sting of sin sting of death is sin. There's another part to that there. What is it? Didn't have a root down here. Um It's a good finale, isn't it? <clears throat> there you go. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. And he concludes there, he says, O grave, where is your victory? Where is it at? We see something happening here at the resurrection that is hugely important. We said the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. That's why He died. But in the resurrection, it says that He loosed the pain of death. Broke it apart. Nullified it. And we're going to find out as we go on the, the implications of that. Loosed the pains of death 
And really the part I really wanted was because it was simply not possible that it would keep a hold on the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, He wouldn't have been the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty plain, pretty simple. What did Jesus say? Um, verse 10. We're going to turn there because it's just so powerful in this context. John 10. St. John chapter 10. All familiar Scripture. St. John chapter 10, uh, verse 17. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, notice that, that I may take it again. And I really want to emphasize this. We read on. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Yeah, rulers, or Romans pounded the nails and, and Pilate sentenced him, but he laid it down himself for a specific purpose. And really, it was the purpose he came to earth for. I lay it down of myself. Now, here's the part I want. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Can you imagine a dead man bringing himself back to life? Now, it sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit, possibly makes sense for Jesus to bring Lazarus back to life. But for a dead man of his own power bring himself out of death is beyond my comprehension. But Jesus said, I have that power. I can make dead things alive. I can bring people from death into life. Because I can do it to myself. That is absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Power. You know who wanted power? You remember that? Long for power. And he thought he had it one day. But it was his last day. This here is supposed to look like lightning. It's like... Right from heaven. Light! That's kind of guy terminology, girls. Yeah. First Peter 3. First Peter three. We're going to start reading at verse eighteen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, and that's what he did. Um, he bore our sins. He, that the, his whole purpose was to get us out of the sin dilemma that we were in. Because we were in a real dilemma. There was, it was like there was nothing we could do about it. Because Lucifer is spiritual and we're flesh. And, and it's just like he had this, got this overshadowing power over us. That would just allure whether we wanted him to or not, us right into his grip. And he would... Get us to sin. Boom, we're dead. Christ also hath once 
suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the capital Spirit. Now, if you look back at those three verses, or those three passages, you find there in Acts 2 that God raised Him from the dead. You find there in John 10 that Jesus said, I raised Myself. And here in Peter we find that the Spirit quickened Him. There is no part left out of this resurrection. We see all the forces of the eternal Godhead at work coming down in unison and unity and affecting life after death. Now let's read on. By which also He went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which was sometimes disobedient, and so on. And I'm putting that so on in there because I don't want to get into a controversy today. It's a very controversial area, and I'm not even sure what I think about it. All I want to say and get out of that passage of Scripture is that He was raised from the dead, and He went and preached to spirits that were in prison. Now, does that sound like familiar language? We know who shut the prison door and wouldn't open it. Lucifer. He has one thing intended for you. It's to get you in prison. Because when you're in prison, you'll rot until you die. And He won't open it. The point I want to get out of here is somehow, somewhere, as, as Jesus, and, and I don't know, I guess in my own mind, I think it just happened right there at that, at that time when darkness came. I don't know. Maybe it happened in the grave. I, I don't know. I just don't want to even get into the controversy. All I know is somehow the Bible records that Jesus went and preached to spirits that were locked up in prison. And set them free. In fact, I just... Maybe Isaiah 61 don't even have anything to do with that passage, but I still want to go there. I just... We just have to. And, and be it known, uh, students, that... That, again, there in, in Hebrews... Um, you know, they, they were... They were um, had faith in something that was yet to come. Um, I don't know. I, I just I try to put myself into those Old Testament people, and I, I don't know. I, I struggle with faith when I even know what has happened in the past, let alone dying and thinking that maybe something will happen in the future to take care of my sin. I, I think they almost had to have a whole lot more faith in the Old Testament than we do in the New. But somehow they had faith that God would be true to His Word, that He would affect a way that they could be freed from their sin. But they died still in it. My simple way of thinking is, He opened the prison doors for everybody. By His resurrection. We just want to read this right here. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I know we've read this already this weekend. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And here's the part we want to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And those who, are, those who were bound in sin, and, and bless your heart, there's only one human being that's ever graced the face of the earth that didn't have to go to prison. At least of His own accord. And that was Jesus Christ. He hath made Him to be sin who knew no sin. Of course, that we may be made the righteousness of God in Him. 
absolutely sinless. Not even one little, even piece of pretense. Perfect. But he chose, he said, Lord, if this, if there's no other way, I'm just putting my own words, if there's no other way to get around this cup, but I drink it, I'll do it. Now, I think he'd just seen a cesspool of iniquity that he knew was going to get laid on him. He was willing. He was willing. We would like to go to Hebrews 2. I don't know how you are. I just... Things stick in my mind better when I look at them. Um, I just... uh, There's times where I just quote passages, but I just really like to turn to them and look at them because they just stick with me better when I do that. And this is one of those that we really want to look at. We're talking now about all things being under His feet. That's Jesus. That's who we're speaking about there. This passage of Scripture, I tell you what, I'm not going to lower myself to say what's a favorite passage or not, but this is sure a good one. Hebrews 2, verse 14. For as much then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, that means us, that's just people, human family, as we have... Taken on flesh and blood, we're live human beings on the, on the globe. He also Himself, speaking of Jesus here, likewise took part of the same. That's where yesterday we talked about Him coming down because He's so loved, He came down to the world. This was all established before the foundation of the world. But He was willing to condescend from His heavenly state and take on flesh and blood like you and I become human beings. That's what that's saying. Took part of the same for this particular reason. That through death... And I want you to notice that word. It doesn't say that in death. It says that through death. That's in it and back out of it. He might destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. Hallelujah! His day is over. And we'll read on, then we'll come back to that. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That is ugly stuff. But what that passage is saying is He took on flesh and blood for this purpose. He was going to have to die. Why did He have to die? Because sin was put on Him. He took it upon Himself willingly. Sin sin takes death. It takes death. God's not going to wink at it. He's not going to say, oh, I'll just overlook that one. No! Every single sin requires death. And Jesus tasted death for every man. We're going to get back there in a little bit too. Destroy. When we think of destroying something, we think of the, minor, the, the picture I always keeps in my mind is the A-bomb. You know, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. You know, something goes down, boom, and just, just blows it to bits. And there isn't anything left, and it's all gone. I wish I could tell you that's the case today. 
I'd just like to just erase this off of here and just say, He's gone. He's dead. We don't ever have to worry about it. And we'll just walk with the Lord and never, ever, ever have to worry about sin and all that stuff again. Now, I'm not lessening the hallelujah of the victory. I'm just telling you this is the way it is. When it says here that He destroyed Him who had the power of death, that simply means He took the power of it away from Him. The best way I can think about it or look at it is, is um, and this is more of a guy thing, okay, girls, but I think you'll get it, okay? You've got this tractor, all right? Uh, this tractor is going and it's, it's got power. Uh, on the back of it, there's a PTO shaft. It's a power takeoff. And, and you pull equipment behind it. So, so you've got this piece of equipment back here. We'll call it a, a, um, a bush hog mower. Big bush hog mower, okay? Well, that bush hog mower don't have any power of itself. It don't have a motor on it. It has no way to energize itself. So what you do, you take a shaft from the mower and you hook it up to the tractor. So the tractor's power energizes the mower. Jesus cut the shaft in half. There's no more power going to death. That's what He said when He destroyed Him who had the power of death. That means He doesn't have reigning power. That means there isn't this reigning power that, that we're just hopelessly lost in. That means that, that the power that Satan has over the human family through death has now been severed because the very essence of death, which is sin, now has a way um, to be propitiated to him from us. A lot of big words there. That's what this is saying. He destroyed him who had the power of death and is able to deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Because he has taken away the fear of it. Why? Because now we have a remedy for our sin. We don't have to die in our sin. So if we can get the sin remedy taken care of, then death has no more power. In fact, we look forward to it. Wow! What a change! You know why we look forward to it? Because we're going to go through it also! All things have been put under His feet. Yes, Jordan, 1 John 3, 8 was in my list of notes. So let's go there together, shall we? He reminded me of this right before we took up. First <clears throat> John 3, 8. We'll just simply read that one verse. We've quoted this verse two or a couple times, part of it anyways, uh, throughout this series. He that committeth sin is of the devil. He's the origin of it. He's the reason of it. He's the source of it, of sin. So, consequently, there's a blanket statement that he who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Notice this. This is the part that Jordan quoted. For this purpose. For that purpose that we just stated right there. The Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. Again, taking off the power of it. In other words, He's up here energizing His, his uh, power and when we're in the Lord, it don't come to us. It's destroyed. 
that's what the essence of the Son of God coming to this world was. To do this process. Because we, folks, were in bondage to sin and the devil. And we were helpless to get ourselves out of it. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 2. Um... start reading. I guess we'll just start reading at verse 13. The first part of this is not actually part of our topic, at least today. But And you being dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice that word quickened there. It just simply means to be made alive. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And we want to stop right there. And just, this is kind of what I think anyways that we're talking about here is the old law, okay, death reigned from, from Adam to Moses. And then when Moses came, the law came. And, and, and Paul, in his words, he said, that law was supposed to be life to me. That's what he says there in, in Romans 7, I think. Um, because it was the Word of God. It was the law. And, and, and he just laid it all out. He says, all you got to do is just do this and this and this and this and this and don't do this and this and this and this and all that. And if you do all this, you're righteous. You're good because that's me. Pretty simple, isn't it? That's just all you got to do. Just go back there and just do all that perfectly. And we're good to go. This scripture says that was against us. You know why it was against us? Because nobody could keep it. You know why? The weakness of the law was the flesh. We're so susceptible and so drawn to this that there's no way there's only one man that did. There's only one Jesus Christ. He did it perfectly. But nobody else. So what Paul says, that thing that was supposed to be life to me became death to me. And really, that really was God's intent of the whole law anyways, was just to simply show man the sinfulness of sin. If He says if, if there was nothing there to show you what sin was, we wouldn't even know what it was. We would just go lust and, and, and do all that ugly stuff and we'd think it was okay because... We don't know what the Lord thinks about it. But when He writes it out, this is what I think about it, boom, it becomes sin. Now we know. If we do that, we're sinning. We die. So what it did was, it was really a pronouncement of death. It was supposed to be life to me, but now it's death to me because all it does is condemn me. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, it's kind of a big bunch of stuff to say, but what I make out of that is that the very condemnation of the law, he's not saying that the law was bad, so, so we just got to get rid of that thing so we can do something else. What he's saying is, I fulfilled it perfectly. And the condemnation of it, I paid the price for it. 
and all these other things, principalities and powers and all that, I have spoiled on the cross by the resurrection. <coughs> Openly. Triumphing over it. Notice the language. It's victorious language. And it blesses us because now He has become the righteousness of the law for us. The guy gets a little bit deep, but, but that's what He's done. If, if by our faith in Him, His righteousness is accounted unto us or imputed unto us as righteousness. So our faith in Him by this allows us as imperfect as we are, gives us the account in God's eyes that He's satisfied. Because His Son Jesus did that. Let's go to Hebrews 2. We were just there a little bit ago, and now we're going to go to the earlier part of that verse. We're just going to start reading verse 6. This is where, actually a quote from where Nathan took his uh, talk from this morning there in uh, Psalm 8. We'll start reading at verse 6. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. It's talking about Jesus. Well, it's actually talking about humankind uh, here. But Jesus was one of them. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and thou didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. And if you go back to, the, to Psalm 8, that just simply means he is the ruler over all the earth, all the animals and all the... He, he is the... the um, everything else is subject to us. We can cut trees down, but they can't cut us down. You know, we butcher a cow, but they can't butcher us. So we've got kind of dominance over them. They're kind of under our feet so to speak. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became Him. It just consumed His whole being and purpose. Uh, for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Soldiers, we have a captain. And there he is. That's our captain. the captain of our salvation. We'd like to go to Ephesians chapter 1. This is actually where we took this phrase that we came up with for this part. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today. We probably will spend some more time here tomorrow. Ephesians 1. We're just kind of going to breeze through the first part of what I want to read here. Um, Paul's urgency here is he, just, he wants the Ephesian people and us to know something, know it a little more clear. And one of those things is that he would like for us to know in verse 19 is what is the exceeding greatness 
of His power uh, to usward who believe. But that power is in accord to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. And here's where we're wanting to get to. Far above. That's why I wrote this up here. And this is down here. By the resurrection of the Lord, the Father has set Him in a place that is not just a little bit, not just above, but it is far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Now, do you want to know what the Greek definition of under His feet means? It means that. That's about as good as I can tell you. Under His feet means under His feet. If you would picture yourself being a ladybug crawling across the kitchen floor on linoleum and you'd see that thing coming at you, that's what we're talking about. That ladybug has no authority or power whatsoever on my number 12 foot. It just goes squish. And that's all there is to it. That's what Paul is saying here. All things are under His subjection. All things are under His authority and all things are under His power. Nothing left out. All powers, principalities, I don't care... If you're talking about the world, I don't care if you're talking about the heaven, I don't care if you're talking about this, this uh, celestial area in here where, where all the angels are, it don't matter. All things are under His feet, under His authority, under His subjection. Why? Because He has the power to bring Himself back to life, out of death. <clears throat> We would like to go to Matthew 28, and then one more chapter, or one more scripture. Matthew 28, and we're just going to read one verse here. We could read more, but we're not. Verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And this is after the resurrection, before His ascension. But He says, All power. And if you look in the Revised Version, it says, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And I, I just view that on the globe like we had drawn there uh, Monday and also in this celestial area up here where the angels are, including this guy right here and all of his angels. He says, I have all authority in heaven and in earth. Period. All of it. We want to go to... Revelations 1. And this whole topic today, soldiers, is going to be very, very essential to
to us in our warfare. Very, very essential. Revelation chapter 1. Again, this would be the glorified Lord as He talked to John. Verse 18, I am He that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And not only that, but I have the keys now of hell and of death. It is totally under my authority. Completely. And finally, in Revelation, later on it says, And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, Kings and Lord of Lords. That means he is the king over all other kings, and he is the Lord over all other lords. Whether they are in heaven or whether they are in earth. Thank you, Lord. Amen.